Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Someone once wrote that a person is lucky if he or she is able to develop just one true friendship throughout their whole lifetime. Now this, of course, is not just talking about a casual friendship, but about someone who is true and loyal, someone who accepts you as you are, someone who is not envious of you but is happy when something good happens to you, someone who can be trusted to keep your secrets and your confidences that you trust them with, someone who will forgive you when you let them down or when you unknowingly hurt them, someone who will go out of their way to help you with no expectation of reward or repayment, someone who will not desert you when you become sick or disabled or lose your job or your savings, someone who would even be willing to give you one of their own kidneys if you needed it, someone who would pray for you without your even asking them to. Now maybe you are blessed to have multiple people in your life who fit this description, but most of us, uh, as we are in the active part of this friendship, we, most of us probably don't have the time or the emotional bandwidth necessary to be such a close and true and loyal friend to very many people, if we're really being honest about it. Though, I imagine that many of us uh, try our best to, to be the best friend that we can to as many people as we can. But as far as that truest and closest and, and most loyal of friendships, well, for many people, often it's their spouse who, who fits that description in their life. For other people, perhaps it's a sibling or a child. But the number of such true and loyal friends in most people's lives is very small. And as such, those relationship or that relationship is priceless. Now, can you imagine anyone who has such a, a rare friend who would treat such a relationship casually or neglect it, or take it for granted, or do anything that would break that relationship? It's hard to imagine, isn't it? And yet, such tragedies take place in great numbers daily throughout our world. For example, some people have spent years dreaming of and searching for the right romantic partner who have vowed lifelong loyalty to that cherished person who has spent hundreds or maybe even thousands of dollars on dates and gifts. Many such people, including even those who have made vows of, of lifelong love and faithfulness to each other before God and many witnesses in a wedding ceremony, many still have lived to see that closest friendship become dull, and weak, and perhaps finally even die. Those who were once the closest of friends have sometimes become enemies, who gradually perhaps either try to forget each other and, and eventually lose all their feelings for each other, or become enemies who actively look for ways to hurt and harm each other. Not all broken friendships are the result of broken marriages, of course. There are friendships that have been achieved at great cost and great investment of time and attention, that are nevertheless allowed to wither and to die because of disinterest or other temporary feelings that eventually prove to be empty. 
Or simply, they, they fade away because the friendship was not valued for the precious thing that it is. And then when it's broken and the loss is realized, it's very difficult for that relationship to be restored and mended and recaptured to, to its original beauty and strength. Very often it's just gone and there's nothing to do but to weep and to envy those who did not neglect that rare true friendship. This phenomenon is what keeps counselors and therapists, psychologists, and pastors busy in in their lines of work trying to restore broken relationships or to help people to establish that kind of relationship in their lives. And of course, on a larger scale, uh, leaders in government and labor and industry wear themselves out by trying to reconcile opposing factions and groups to get people to work together to overcome their differences, and to be friends instead of enemies. You and I are here tonight because we have two relationships that need mending, two friendships that need restoration. First of all, we need reconciliation with our God, whom we have so often hurt by our neglect, ingratitude, indifference, and even willful disobedience of his commands. And also our relationships with our loved ones, the people important to us in our lives, whom we sadly so often let down by our careless words and actions. These relationships of ours are in need of daily repair and nurture. And here in the church year season of Lent is where we find the means not only to restore those relationships, but also to make them even more rewarding than ever before. To be honest, we must admit that we have become estranged from each other to some degree because of sin. We have offended the holy God by our ingratitude and our rebellion against his commands. And for this rebellion, God has every right to turn his back on us, to destroy us for trampling on his grace and mercy, to banish us forever from his holy presence. We are no longer worthy to be called his sons and daughters. We have willfully deserted him. We've disregarded his wishes by disobeying his commands. We preferred to serve our own interests and desires instead of God's interests and his will. We have, in fact, become his enemies by doing the will of his sworn enemy, the devil, whether we know it or not. God, however, is not content to be estranged from us, the crown of his creation, upon whom he has lavished his goodness and mercy and whom he chose to call his children. No parent can help but be brokenhearted when their child leaves home and and wants nothing more to do with their parents. Some parents may eventually finally just give up on their child when they feel like there is nothing more that they can do to help mend and restore that broken relationship. But God is not like that. God is love. Human beings are God's special creation, the crown of everything he created. God specially created us to enjoy eternal life with him. There can be no doubt about God's feelings toward people when we hear about his plan to save us from the death that our sins have earned. When we see him taking 
what is dearest and most precious to him, his one and only son, and then offering him up on the cross for his rebellious creatures. Listen to the Apostle Paul telling the Christians in Corinth and also telling us today how God arranged for our reconciliation, our our salvation and restoration to harmony with him. In chapter 5, verse 21, God made him who did not know sin, referring to Jesus, to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Restoration of a broken relationship costs dearly in terms of time and effort and sacrifice that it takes to mend that broken relationship. Just think, for example, in our world today about what it takes to try to bring two warring nations like Russia and Ukraine to a peace agreement or two nations that have been at an uneasy ceasefire for decades like the U.S. and North Korea still not officially at peace. Reconciliation is costly. Look at what it costs God to achieve our reconciliation with him. Not only our reconciliation to himself, but also reconciliation between one another as we have become estranged in our relationships. Anyone who should be the recipient of our love, our spouse, our parents, our children, our brothers or sisters, our neighbors, our fellow Christians. During Lent, we gather to marvel over and to thank God for the price that he paid for our reconciliation, the life of his only son. It is that cost alone that can make us into God's friends. The Apostle Paul says something else in these verses that is, easily overlooked in the midst of this fervent emotional appeal for reconciliation. In chapter 6, verse 1, he says, As fellow workers, we also urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Did you catch that? Don't receive God's grace in vain. Dear friends, this grace of God that restored us to friendship with God by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, this grace of God is priceless. It's the one and only cure for our deadly sickness, our sin sickness. It's the one and only balm for our spiritual wounds. It's like the cure for cancer, so precious. So don't waste it, the Apostle Paul says. Don't treat it lightly. Don't neglect it. Everything that we review from God's Word during this church year season of Lent becomes the motivation for our renewed life as Christians. It is pure gospel, good news, which is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It should be the subject of every one of our sermons, of every Christian message, if our faith is to remain alive, and if our relationship with God through Jesus is going to bear fruit in our lives. The fruit of of good and pure thoughts of sincere love, of deeds of mercy toward one another, and of the hope of everlasting life in our hearts. Don't waste it, the Apostle Paul says. And he says that because God says in chapter 6, verse 2, quoting from Isaiah chapter 49, At a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. 
us. God has heard our unspoken cry. God, in fact, has answered long before we even called out to him, long before we even thought about calling out to him. God knew our need, and he fulfilled it. He made the first move toward our reconciliation with him. He paid the price that was necessary for our renewal and spiritual rebirth. This, this act of God and of his love is what changes us from his enemies into his friends and his dearly loved sons and daughters. This is the only thing that can change us from enemies of God to friends. And so Paul says in chapter 6, verse 2, Look, now is the favorable time. See, now is the day of salvation. He's saying that opportunities like this for reconciliation are truly rare. You have to grab those opportunities when they come before you. So how blessed we are that just what we need most for our peace and happiness is being offered right here tonight by our loving Heavenly Father to us through his word. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, who knows if you will have another chance like this one. Don't pass up this opportunity. This message of reconciliation through Jesus is vital to our spiritual life. Drink it in deeply. Dwell on it. Meditate on it. Review it. Revel in it. Praise God for it. And then show it to others. Share it with others. You know how much this message of Jesus' love is needed all around you. At work, in your home, and in the world that is tragically breaking into so many fragments of factions of humanity. In a world where it seems that peace is like an endangered species. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called sons of God. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker between God and humankind. He is the Son of God, the Prince of Peace. God's children are seekers of peace and makers of peace, reconcilers of enemies because of our Savior, the Prince of Peace. Millions of people around the world are dying every day who have never really lived, who have never known true peace with God in their hearts. God doesn't want that for his creatures. Once we have found this peace for ourselves, and once we are secure in the family of God, knowing God as our friend, as our loving Heavenly Father, then we can and should be ambassadors for Christ. Just as the Apostle Paul says here, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Inasmuch as God is making an appeal through us, we urge you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is to say, let God change you from his enemies to his friends through faith in Jesus as your Savior. You will never do anyone a greater favor in life than to share this message of God's love and reconciliation with them. Amen.